0: Hi, welcome back uh, to episode two, I guess week two of uh, this 10-act championship coaching podcast. <clears throat> I'm Jason Tullis, and I'm here with Coach Chad Beyer. And uh, we're just, you know, this podcast is just kind of following along. Um, my training, as I discussed uh, last week, that I had an itch to do a, a 50-kilometer run. So it's not exactly cycling but it does fall into endurance quite a bit and then a lot of those things are going to mesh over and and as we as we discuss some of this we also want to you know work in uh some of the cycling mountain biking aspects that we that we coach our athletes with because that's I mean that's what we mainly do we do have some running athletes but most of them are in the mountain bike world and, and the cycling world. So as we get started with this, uh, Chad, um, since the, since your marathon, I mean, what's your training actually, what's it, what's it been like the past uh, couple weeks?
1: So now I'm kind of, my next goal is Elter to Tucson. So I'm transferring over the bike. Um, I haven't even ran since, uh, Chicago marathon and, um, I'm enjoying that my body was pretty beat up in the build up to that race. And it's nice not to hurt so much. <laughs> um, but I've been putting in, you know, a lot of uh, zone two work on the bike. And uh, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised with where my fitness level is at, considering I haven't been riding that much. So, uh, you know, the running training is translating over the bike more than I expected it would be so i've been doing a lot of three to four hour rides in that kind of upper zone two range um and feeling pretty good with it
0: nice are you working on the group ride skills gonna be riding with the uh, five thousand people at the start
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah last year um they separated so the platinum group got to go first and i think it's still around 300 people so pretty solid group but uh It wasn't too crazy, kind of more of a traditional road race feel to it last year.
0: Nice. I have a couple of athletes that'll be there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to miss this year. Um, but I'm always usually down there at the finish, uh, or somewhere there along the route in Tucson. It's a fun, uh, thing that happens Uh, and it's not something that as cyclists in Tucson that we get to experience very often of uh getting to go through all the red lights and uh go as fast as we want and and, uh and yeah it's uh you know even a moderately fit cyclist can do this 100 miles in sub five hours it's it's pretty incredible what how riding in a peloton uh, can kind of just suck you along
1: yeah and it's a well-run event i mean having uh the course you know it's pretty much uh Full rolling enclosure for that front group, so I enjoy doing it. One of the few, you know, hundred mile road races left in Arizona.
0: Are actually probably one of the few road races left in Arizona. Yeah. It's been pretty sad these past few years, as uh, fewer and fewer road races uh, are happening. And and on that note, I. I'll be uh, participating at the, the spirit world 100 gravel race here in a couple weeks and um, actually 10 days. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I've done it the past couple of years and it's run out of Patagonia, Arizona uh, by Heidi and, and Xander. And they just put on an incredible event and uh, the, the gravel roads there in Patagonia are it's, it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just insane for me, I, just to go out there and ride on these rolling hills and the grasslands of the San Rafael Valley. And it's just an incredible place and, and an incredible event that they put together. So I'm uh, sort of looking forward to that. I'm not exactly uh, in shape. Anytime you do a hundred miles off road, its it doesn't matter what kind of surface it is. And it's off road. It's it's uh, gonna beat you up. And and uh, last year I barely survived. The year before that I was in pretty good shape. So this year, kind of going in between those two things, and I'm sure I'll be good for about two hours, and, and then I'll stop at the well stocked feed zones along the way and have breakfast burritos and just enjoy my time out there.
1: What's uh, how long does that ride take you? What would you finish in last year?
0: Ooh, last year was last year was a little different situation. Uh, or one of our other coaches, John Benson, dragged me along. Uh, I was I was good for about two hours, and then we just kind of sat up, me, him, and another rider, and we just uh, just moseyed in for the rest of the day. And I was appreciative that John would uh, stuck with me, and he had this cool little air compressor run on a battery that, uh, I kept having a tire go low every, every 45 minutes or something. And and then we'd hook that up and within 10 seconds we were back on the bikes. And so that was, that was pretty nice. But I, I think it last year I was around six and a half hours. I think a fast finish for that is right around that five hour mark, 515, 510, somewhere around there. It's it's not a lot of climbing it's a good power course and uh and it's fast and, and it's going to be even faster this year they changed the course just a little bit um still has one pass called canelo pass you'll go over and uh but again it's not super steep or anything and um and i i do think it'll be faster so
1: nice good. about last week with your um uh, skills training um, in Sedona. How's that?
0: Oh, yeah, I was up at uh, I was up in Sedona, Arizona at their bike park, which I had never been there before. It's pretty incredible um, that they have that and I, I'm excited that Tucson has plans to have something similar. But um, I was with the PMBIA, the Professional Mountain Bike Instructor Association. They have a, a certification course for being a skills instructor. Um, they, they actually have several different levels. And if, and if you were to work at a, a reputable, reputable bike park anywhere pretty much in the world, um, this is one of the certifications that they require, whether you're guiding or, or teaching skills, um even skills up to the level of you know hitting the big air uh on the on the bike runs at the park. So uh it it was mind blowing for me. I I I've kind of taught skills on and off uh through the years and you know as I as I began I would uh you know I really had never examined what I was doing and how I was doing it. I just knew that I was pretty good with my skills on the bike. Uh, relative to the people around me and um and then I, as I learned more and more about skills and what to do I became a better teacher and then I became a better bike rider myself and I feel like my skills now are way better than when I was racing professionally and uh, but when I went to this I was just I was really blown away. They they even break it down more, and and they give you or me as an instructor just this clear, concise language that I'm able to help explain and demonstrate and analyze how the athletes are riding and how they can get better. And they break it down into these six skills um, that you need for every maneuver, like a skill would be position and balance or operation of controls, like your brakes. Um, A maneuver would be like a front wheel lift or uh, rolling down a drop or something to that effect. So, so by breaking those skills down into these small pieces, um, you're able to analyze it better and look for things that, that's going on with the athlete um whether they're maybe they're not dropping their heels very well or their hips are out of place or maybe they're not hinging at their hips or and and so yeah it just blew me away that you know you can do that and I feel like now I feel even more confident working with with athletes on this on their skills and maneuvers and um I'm excited to put it to use. You know, I, I do some volunteer work with uh, one of the youth organizations here uh, in Tucson called El Grupo Youth Cycling. And uh, I've talked to their coaches and and I'm, I'm going to start doing uh, some of these skills and maneuver work uh, with, with their athletes as they finish their high school mountain bike season next week. Um, they'll go into their kind of off season and, and that's the perfect time to do that. So, no, I'm I'm super excited. I, I learned a lot, and I'm anticipating going back for a level two to kind of learn a little bit more of the high end pieces of the skills, like pressure control or your timing coordination and those type of things. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome, nice. and 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 I got to do some running in Sedona. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, how how you been feeling with the running? Well, it's uh,
0: there's good and bad, I guess, <laughs> with everything. Uh, I'm not finding it super difficult as far as like the time, you know, going out and running for thirty minutes or going out and running for forty minutes is, you know, uh, when I'm doing two hour rides or three hour rides, it just doesn't feel like I'm hardly doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself sometimes in the evening, like if I go for a morning run which I t- typically do with the dogs and uh, like in the evenings, I feel like I need to go do more. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's been hard to hold back uh, with that because I know it's not an aerobic thing. What I'm trying to do. I know that it's more this strengthening of, you know, muscles and tendons and ligaments and cause it's such much more impact. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know you're not really going to build uh, on top of the fitness you already have from cycling. It's really just getting your body adapted to the specific demands of running, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's just keep reminding myself of that, but I am I am noticing all these little pains and aches that I didn't even know that uh, were possible. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, my I think like I was saying in an email to you, like. My calves are like piano string tight and my lower back has just been killing me.
1: Yeah. Have you been uh, doing stuff to address that? Like the calf raises or.
0: Yeah, I've been a good, good athlete, you know, following your advice. Uh, I've been doing some calf raises probably three or four times a week. And I find that that it's not an immediate relief but it's it's pretty relieving when I even if I feel like my calves are pretty tight um, and so much so that even this week when I was running like uh, I'm noticing that it's not as tight I am having a little my left calf I can feel it in the morning so I may have strained it pretty not a hard strain but it's a gentle strain um, so I've been trying to be good to myself on that my lower back is probably now has become the bigger issue and and i know you gave me some exercises for that i've stretched but i have not done any strengthening and i know that uh so i've not been a good athlete on that part but uh it's coming i'm getting it there
1: yeah i noticed for myself if i don't keep up on there's additional core workouts while I'm running. Uh, little niggles, those little aches and pains will develop into something more serious. So I definitely have to, for myself, I definitely have to stay on top of, you know, some of that resistance band work, a little bit of core work. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'll have some more serious kind of tendon pain, uh, stuff like that. But I also think the uh, the salt baths, the Epsom salt baths help a lot. Did, have you tried that at all?
0: I have not. I, man, taking a bath for me is just never been something I've ever done. So it's really difficult. Um, I, I that doesn't mean that I won't try it, yeah. <laughs> but Um, I've taken another approach. I have this, um, this, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a supplement, but it's a a lotion. It's called Alka 12, A-L-K-A 12, and it's a magnesium lotion. Uh, so you absorb same as Epsom salt, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the magnesium that, that you want out of that. And. So this is just a lotion that you that you put on either before or after your runs and and that's been uh very helpful uh i started using it for cycling uh but for running i have found it it's more been more impactful i've noticed it more so mm-hmm. uh that's what i've been doing so far nice, nice. um yeah i did yeah so going back to being a good athlete i i took your advice and i bought some shoes uh new shoes to start with um so i just got those last friday so i've been you know feeling the differences in the shoes and, and i think i mentioned i i, I may have felt some uh blisters starting to form so you know, just these little things like that and and uh I I did watch uh the videos that you sent on the running form and trying to at least imagine myself looking like uh looking like those professional runners, but it, it does give me an idea of what I, I need to be aiming for. Yeah. So
1: what what shoes did you go with? <laughs>
0: I went with something brand new. So I took a little bit of a chance and then if they didn't work, I would just send them back. But so far it's been pretty good. Um, they're called, I don't even know what they're called. It's, it's, it's in normal in, and then the, then the word normal. And so, and I'm, still fascinated by killian journey with that article that he wrote and those are the shoes that he is uh the company that he's helping uh produce and do all the r d on and so yeah i was influenced i i I was influenced by the internet (laughs) so yeah i use those and uh i got the high top version because i have had ankle issues in the past Um, Really bad issues. Um, Being a cyclist, you don't uh, tend to use your ankles too much. So, I did get that as a little extra protection because I've I've turned some ankles pretty bad in the past. So,
1: nice. Yeah. Hopefully, those help out. So, what sort of adjustments have you made towards your running form um, after watching those videos?
0: the arms high been trying to focus on that um i also just from a long time ago like my hands have been really relaxed so much that my wrists will move quite a bit i don't know if mm-hmm. i explain that very well so as i'm keeping my arms high i'm trying to keep my hands more in this position still relaxed and loose but not like flopping around mm-hmm. and and I know all these are just like little efficiencies, like I'm trying to uh, just keep the movements minimal, but moving me in a forward direction and as, I, as I think about that. So arms high, have been pretty big. I've been also, we used to call them butt kickers, like um, trying to pull through my running stride quite a bit. Uh, as it's at the bottom, so you know we would practice that by kicking our butts. You know, when I was in junior high, track team. That's I was I was on the track team in ninth grade, and so I kind of bringing up those those type of ideas from a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so I've been trying to like feel like I'm I'm scraping mud off my shoe uh for lack of a better description as i'm you know as i'm my foot is touching the ground I, I, again i don't know if that's good or bad i'm just trying to i'm not trying to be breaking you know like yep. getting my foot out in front of me where i'm constantly breaking yeah. um, so i think those are the main things and then the cadence that's so hard for me like if i just go and run some slow jog. I, I think it's probably around that one fifty cadence. cadence. Um, yep. And what were you saying that I should be at?
1: I definitely is going to fluctuate off of the speed you're running at. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, trying to make sure you're not um, having that breaking force. That's probably one of the most important things. Yeah. Um, you know, higher turnover rate. That's that'll help um, limit the potential for breaking, uh, because you're, you know, keeping that cadence higher, that running cadence higher. So, um, it's almost shortening that, that stride. Um, but you know, the pros are going to range, um, you know, when they're racing floating around that 180 steps per minute. Um, but they're also, you know, traveling at a pretty fast, fast pace, So it's also ground contact time, so how much time your foot's spending on the ground. You know, if it's over, um, I think it's 220 um, milliseconds, um, the chances for injury, I think, go up um, just because you're uh, experiencing more impact per, per step so that higher cadence can lower those, those impacts and then, um, help limit the potential for injury, which I think is, you know, most runners biggest obstacle they need to overcome or avoid, um, when they're heading towards their running goals. So I think good form is kind of the foundation for that. Um, there's all sorts of, different um trains of thought when it comes to optimal running form um but i always like to look at the you know best runners in the world and it seems to if it's working for them i think uh you're heading on the right track if you're trying to mimic that as much as possible
0: yeah i would say when i'm running slow or running in my zone two um yeah, my cadence, you know, I've, I've focused on it. Um, and it's, it's been in that 160 to mid 170s. Mm -hmm. Um, and then yesterday I, I broke down and I had to experiment a little bit. I just wanted to see how fast I could run. (laughs) And so, uh, as I sped up, uh, and I, I felt like I was at like a threshold type pace, an eight out of 10. Uh, I went back and I looked and I think I was around 170 to 175 on um, my cadence there. Um, so it's it's definitely something I need to work on. And I, I've thought about getting one of those pods that fit on your shoe to kind of give a little bit better uh, accuracy on that and, and the time on the ground and, and stride length and things like that. Have you ever used one of those?
1: Yeah, I have one. Um, so I've got the the Garmin nine four five running watch, and I have the heart rate strap. So I get pretty much all the running uh, metrics that you can get, um, and that has vertical oscillation, all that stuff. Um, it is very hard to, you know, consciously um, change the cadence and all of that. Um, but I do notice when I'm pushing myself into a higher cadence, my my running speeds just naturally go up too. Um, I think you know the biggest thing with running form is just trying to limit overstriding and trying to keep that impact um, as as low as possible. So faster cadence um, and making sure you're not um, you know overstriding just when your foot's coming into contact that it's, you know, um, underneath you, not, not out in front of you. And that's going to help limit the potential for in- injury, but it is nice seeing all the different running metrics. Um, and then seeing how, you know, your little adjustments on running form will, will affect those.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's something I'll look at. right? and then maybe at some point, uh, I think in the end just getting some video uh you know uh, next time uh, we're in person maybe we can do a little video of, of me running and being able to analyze my my thing because i think right now running in zone two all the time i mean it's it's not terribly hard so it gives you time to focus on other things i've tried you know, some nose breathing i tried working on my cadence I think all these little things, uh, if I can make some good habits now, I think are going to benefit me later, you know, months or years down the line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think if you can optimize that running form now, um, obviously the more you're running with that form, the more efficient you're going to become, um, with that form and, you know, running economy and efficiency that's all going to help you um, feel good while you're out there on your 50 (laughs) K.
0: Yeah. Getting to that. um, Can you just do kind of a quick summary, you know, over the annual training plan you built from basically now till when I said I would like to do the 50 K in March.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, I kind of looked at, um, your history in training peaks and kind of seeing the, you know, weekly TSS you normally landed around as you're kind of building up towards events. So I kept it kind of within that range, but ultimately, you know, I, I kind of look at your goal and in transition into running. Um, you know, we just need your body to adapt to the stress of running. It's not necessarily building, um, fitness or, you know, aerobic capacity through running, you've got a lot of that built up with cycling. So it's really just getting your body prepared for the demands of the 50K. Um, So, you know, incrementally increasing the uh, volume, I think is the first step, just getting your body really comfortable with um, running. And then, you know, once you're feeling good with that, then we'll start increasing the intensity. and just really focus on you know running economy so um building that leg muscle strength and and power um and then you know we can do that by spending more time in that kind of v vo2 max range which is the velocity at vo2 max range um so normally those uh, efforts are going to be in that four to ten minute range um and even those Though those are short intervals, they're still going to be very beneficial for um, you in your 50K, just building that leg uh, muscle strength.
0: And so just looking at, you know, as I do my math and we're increasing 10 or, you know, 10% each week and stuff, and I, I build... Build that out to March and I come up with about 120, 130 minutes of running. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is as I build up the strength, I'm going to be able to increase that run a little bit, my running time a little bit faster than 10% per week or?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we kind of got to take it step by step just to see how your body's responding uh, to running. So it's hard to kind of build it that far out. I think, you know, after four weeks, we can really kind of see, all right. Um, you know, you're handling that volume really well, then, uh, we can increase that, uh, intensity. And I think, you know, maintaining, um, an easier endurance run, uh, once a week and having two higher intensity runs, that's going to give you kind of the best bang for your buck. Um, you know, I don't want you loading up too much on volume, but, uh, I think that intensity is going to help you build that muscular strength with less potential for injury than just, just purely high volume. Um, so, you know, even though the goal is a 50 K run and, um, you know, you'll be out on your feet for a long time. I think, you know, ultimately it's that muscular strength. So how, efficiently can we build that strength um while limiting the potential for injury is kind of the name of the game
0: yeah and i like that and and like i've said before i'm not not afraid to change our date you know as we (laughs) as we go along this journey and we find out you know next month or two months from now that it's just i'm not adapting or um it's harder for me to find joy out of it, um, that, that we change that, but, but at the same time, you know, we can also change it in the other direction too. And I think we find that, you know, when we build these out for our other athletes, you know, cycling, running, whatever athletes is, you know, this is all theory and we build it out, and it's never something that's static. It's always something that's going to be moving as we find out how much load the athlete can take. I mean, ultimately, uh, if you have a goal of a certain a certain volume, whether it's Leadville Mountain Bike 100 or this 50K I have in March, um, you know that the athlete's going to need to be able to do that. So there are some markers along the way but at the same time you have to be in a world of reality and uh you know if they're not being able to do 600 tss per week or or even even attempt to do a thousand tss in a week that that you have to make some accommodations or make some changes and and uh and then work with what you actually do have
1: yeah Otherwise, so, you'll be end up like David Goggins, and just a world of pain, <laughs> just having to tape up your legs because uh, you bit off more you can chew too soon.
0: Um, so going forward you know, do you over these next two weeks until we talk again? I mean, do you have any suggestions for me? I I ran 45 minutes for the first time this week. And my endurance zone is somewhere in that 10 to 11 minute mark. I don't foresee that really 10 to 11 minute per mile mark. I don't really see a need to change that or anything. I'm just, um, you know, I, I predict that I'll go to 50 minutes next week, but that's about as far as I've gotten.
1: Yeah. I, I think sticking with that, you know, like you are saying, just um, really focusing on your, your form and trying to be as efficient as possible. Um, you could start incorporating, um, you know, taking on some nutrition during your run uh, since the 50 K is going to be long enough. You're going to have to eat during that event. Um you know, practicing that and training. I've noticed for myself, it's much harder to consume, uh, food or calories, gels, whatever you're taking on, even drinking during running than it is on the bike. Um, so I think that's something that's trainable too, j- just getting your body used to doing that. Um, but I think, you know, this is all kind of fundamentals. So running form, you know, focusing on that, um, maybe, experimenting with nutrition a little bit on one of those runs, but, you know, stay patient, um, just letting your body adapt to that new stimulus of running and, uh, you know, not, not taking on too much too soon. And then we'll just kind of see where you're at, um, in, in two weeks and then potentially start incorporating more, more intensity.
0: And by taking on, um, some calories or water or what have you during during these runs do you suggest do you have a suggestion do you carry a bottle do you have a running vest um what do you what do you do
1: um so i know normally, what you do you
0: have your wife right next to you
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah so optimally you have someone carrying your stuff for you and you you can just grab it as you're going um you know i, I think using what you plan on using in the 50 K. Um, so if it's a running vest or if it's handheld water bottles, whatever you plan on using in your event, I, w- I would utilize that in your training. Um, you know, I think the running vest can be a little bulky and, uh, you know, all that just is bouncing up and down every, every, every stride you're taking. So, I like, um, there's some waste packs that just go around your waist and you can zip in a water bottle into those. Those are nice. Um, Or the handhelds. Um, They kind of strap around your hand and you just hold them. Those are nice too. Um, But yeah, I think just using what you plan on using in, in the 50K and maybe experimenting with all those and seeing what works best for you.
0: I'll do it. Um, yeah, I guess that's good for today. I, I thank everybody for taking a listen, and uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks um, and uh, probably go over my experience, uh, not only with running, but the Spirit World 100, and maybe dive a little deeper into what Chad's uh, planning for El Tour de Tucson. Um I did want to remind everybody, we have our 10 ac ride on November 13th in Tubac, Arizona. It's going to be, you know, about 37 miles, and it's just a, a group of athletes just getting together and, and just enjoying, uh, I don't know if I want to call it fall weather, but it, it will be a little cooler. We're about 3,500 feet of elevation, not too many leaves changing here, but um uh, some technical Jeep roads and a little bit of single track and just uh, some of the some of the type of rides that I do here near my home. So if you're interested in that, reach out to us and I uh, can get you more details. And. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chad.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. Well, we're signing off and uh, we'll see you next time.